Artists Worldwide. Welcome everybody to a very special uh, four-part series of Global Brothers Podcast. We have partnered with the UAE networking uh, group for this. So we have uh, three uh, of the ladies that are going to start us off uh, for our first of four in the series, as I mentioned. And uh, first up, with no further ado, we have Miss Grace Maraby. So uh, Grace is a serial entrepreneur a business development coach and founder of the NGO Emofra Africa. So uh, that serial entrepreneur title, I'm very interested in that because um, that means that you just continually have great ideas to improve on something, which is a wonderful uh, skill set and aptitude for more. Um, so, Grace, with no further ado, please let us know a little bit about yourself, how you got started, and what you're up to now. I don't know if the correct term is serial entrepreneur. That means that I always have great ideas because there's many ideas I've tried that have also failed, but uh, I have learned from some of them and have continued to tweak things and, um, and do things a little bit differently. Um, I'm based in Dubai now, but my first entrepreneur... Um, ship job was uh, a fire safety company in West Africa in Ghana, which was uh, a business that uh, I started with two other partners. And, um, and then moving to Dubai to start a trading company and a consulting company here was, so that's what I'm doing now. That's my journey here now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Short and sweet. Well, I, I, I wanted, you know, I guess we'll be have interacting. So, other questions will come up later, for sure. Yeah. Of course, of course. And uh, my co-host, um, as usual, uh, Big Heath. What's happening, brother? Um, hello, everybody. Grace, uh, Marlene, and uh, everyone else, it's great to, uh, to, to see you again. And congratulations once again on being 2020 honorees of the 12 Inspiring Entrepreneurial Women. Um, yeah, so Marlene, uh, we want to hear from you as well. Uh, please tell us a little about yourself in detail. Hello, how are you? How, how's everyone? Good. Wonderful. Good. Sorry. Uh, I am Marlene Chanel, Marlene Murphy, and I am an entrepreneur and a social advocate. But before that, I was in the corporate world for over 20 years in the banking and finance with international uh, blue chip companies like... Um, I worked for Central Bank of the UAE, um, American Express, and then I had British American Tobacco. Those are the, the main employers I had in the UAE. I live in Dubai. And after my, um, my time in the corporate world, I decided to uh, start a business of my own. So um, I've been involved. I also worked as a consultant for a few companies in Dubai in terms of um, finance transformation program. I am a, um, a trained and, and certified accountant as well as a qualified project management uh, practitioner. Now, uh, in terms of um, being entrepreneur and being a social advocate, I have one mission for that that I, uh, that I follow. I serve because I love serving people. I serve to lead. I serve, but I want something positive in return. But that, that's what really inspires me, for people to materialize everything, all the efforts and uh, time in, I have invested and, and building up something that are uh, for the benefit for long term in terms of business. So um, I love uh, extracting the great, in people and developing their talents and turning that into something profitable for them in business. So um, in terms of uh, being a, a social entrepreneur, I have founded a company called Archipreneurs. This is a digital um, media company as well as events company. And this forms a community of international artists 
promoting art and culture and inspiring entrepreneurship. This is the company that I lead now for the time being. And I hope to, I also have, we also, I also pioneered um, an e-commerce platform where we sell uh, sustainable products because my aim is to unite the social impact and environmental impact into the business. That's it for me. I don't want to be long, but I'm sure that there's a lot more discussion to come <laughs> along. And I'm so, so excited to be one of your speakers this afternoon. Thank you, Heath and Marlon, for this opportunity to, to share my thoughts with you on business and, and um, service to people. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, this, this being the uh, first of four uh, Global Brothers podcast episodes that are dedicated to you, uh, dedicated to inspiring women, not just the 12. Um, it's a good opportunity uh, for everyone to network. It's a good opportunity for everyone to just see each other's faces other than maybe um, Instagram or uh, WhatsApp, uh, because we're going to get into some really good discussion, some rich discussion about these three ladies. Uh, once again, Miss um, Julia Ama is gonna be coming on soon as well. Uh, she's in the USA and she's uh, actually gonna be leaving a meeting and joining us shortly. Um, Grace, I wanted to ask, uh, and, and Mar Marlene, this is probably a good question for you as well. Grace, what makes you inspirational? Or, you know, what makes you inspirational and entrepreneurial? You know, what, what does that mean to you? I would say that um, what makes me inspirational is that I feel that my story is not so dramatically different from just someone who wanted something and went for it. And I think this inspires, I hope, inspires other people. I love to mentor young women, especially those who um, have ideas and have um, things that they want to do that most of the time people will tell you, you know, just don't do it or continue working for somebody. I really like to encourage people to really work through um, their ideas and making their ideas viable and also the, making their ideas turn into things that can actually generate income. What makes me an entrepreneur, for me, being an entrepreneur is not being afraid to um, have an idea and to make, turn that idea into something that can make money. So, um, you can be an entrepreneur and not necessarily be somebody who's making money. But for me, the key is working for yourself in a profitable way and not just working for yourself and just um, it, it, taking a hustle to something profitable. I think that's the for me of what an entrepreneur is about. Mm. Thank you. Hustle yeah. profitability. I like that. She's interested in that as well as making an impact. So her, her investment is, is yes. multi. Marlene, same question. What inspires you? you know, what's your inspiration? What makes you entrepreneurial? Uh, what makes me inspirational is that I want to build leaders. I want to train them and give them the necessary training and platform to grow and while reinforcing the need to service for service to others because I believe that entrepreneurship is about not only making money but making positive changes and impact to other people's lives so uh, as well as uniting the the environmental benefit to it, how we can contribute to the Mother Earth by, in what we do in our business and what, what, uh, what, what we do as a role model in the community. Um, uh, I am mainly for two main key areas of entrepreneurship. Is it about people and about innovation, innovation and technology. These are the two that go uh, side by side at the moment in order for us to, uh, to move forward smoothly. Yes. Yeah. How, Marlene, how important is it, and, and I've done, you know, uh, Marlene and I, we, we try to uh, prepare very well for, you know, good enough that we know, you know, we have some background 
on your uh, your passion. You know, on not just the you know not just the do the, the title that you have, but your passion. We want to get to know you. And I was looking at a couple um, awards. You you're pretty accomplished in things it, here in the UAE as well as yes. in the Philippines. And I can only imagine when I was looking at those pictures, how many people are watching you that you don't know are watching you, right? How important it is, is it for you to be a model for, 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 for women or young girls even and people coming up behind you? It is truly important for me. For me, when I receive an award, I always offer it to the people, especially to the younger generation, for them to... Uh, not to copy it, but follow my footsteps. That's how, uh, that's how I lead them. I'm, I'm a leader, but I'm a good follower as well. So I inspire them by saying, hey, um, you can do this also. You know, there's something in you you just need to discover and work, work, with, work with me. And I, will try, I, I always try to help them uh, discover the talents in them and what else they can do. Because I always believe that everyone of us has has hidden talents. They just need some encouragement and someone to, to walk along with them and, and give them that motivation to, uh, to perform it, uh, to perform their best. Wow, thanks for... Yeah. Yeah. Th wow. this, this is for both of you ladies. Um, so we see where you are today, but a lot of um, these young uh, girls that we're talking about and um, even even women that maybe want to change careers or like, you know, do something that's, that's out of the norm and someone told them they can't do it. Where did you guys start? Um, how did that, how did that uh, bubble into you to decide that, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing and be an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think first of all, you have to stay positive. And if you want to do something, think about it very deeply and you need to have the necessary preparation for it so that when you actually launch it, you are halfway through. So I know that there are setbacks, but at least you know the basis and you have a strong foundation for getting it done and achieving your target. Great. As well as communication is key, being honest to, to your colleagues, to your friends, to your clients is very important. Wonderful. And Grace? Um, I do think that before you are an entrepreneur, you should work for somebody. I had a, was working in corporate world, a corporate America setting for um, after college and uh, for many years before I actually started working for myself. I think that when you have been an employee, you become a better employer. I think it's a very, very important uh, part of the process. You can understand, you, you will remember the things that you liked and the things that you didn't like, how you were treated, how you didn't like to be treated, and hopefully work in that way in your own business. Um, I definitely think that, um, as she had mentioned, planning is very important. You, don't, you shouldn't jump into any business venture. You need to, even the ones that you have a gut feeling about, it should always be backed up with some kind of research or some kind of analysis or some kind of report to make sure that you are going into the right thing and you are prepared yeah you know grace i just held on to something that you said um that made me think about my uh profession i'm an educator i'm actually a high school principal okay and um i'm uh -huh. start i'm founding a school right now a startup school and we are uh, uh adopting or, or or going through a project-based learning approach and one of that what, what that basically mean is students gonna think like entrepreneurs and think like leaders and not just yeah. work as employers. And I like what you said. How, how important do you think it is to, for students from the time they enter school to think like an entrepreneur? I, I think it's very, very critical and very, very in, important that a 14 year old understands how money works. Uh, understand how buy and sell works, understand what is savings, understand what is uh, a business concept. And you're never too young to learn this. There are some cultures where kids who are 10, they go and sit at their dad's storefront mm -hmm. and see how money works, how to make change, how to sell something. 
And by the time they're 19, they're running businesses. I think that there's a way to parallel for sure. And I'm really glad to hear that your institution is doing that, educating people, but also letting them know that they can still use this to be their own boss one day. Yeah. I think it's very important and very critical, especially in, um, in the black community. Yeah. Marlene, I would like, I would like your perspective also on students or young people in the Philippines or even here in the UAE, people who once you, once again, are looking up to you, how can we get them to think earlier like bosses, for lack of better words, employers, world changers? And, and, and okay. should we? Okay. Oh, I truly believe that uh, to become a good entrepreneur, it's not something that just developed uh, or like in a spur of a moment. You have to start training children or youngsters from uh, understanding the value of money and understanding how to survive, how to survive by earning your own money. So from, an early, uh, from a very early stage. So I suggest that in the past years, I have uh, organized educational, business educational workshops but these are for adults. But also I had in mind are also children. Teaching them, it should come naturally in everyday life, in everyday activity that they, 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 they face, they go through, from being at home, from the parents themselves, to uh, the colleagues and schools. They should be taught the, the basic because it just gradually progresses as they grow older. And in which case they would have uh, they would have a much better understanding when they get to an age where they are ready to enter into a business uh, venture. I have a question about maybe some of like a bit of the rough roads, like the bumpy roads. Um, Grace, uh, what has been your greatest challenge yeah. so far as a as an entrepreneur? Uh, you know, in your business, like you know, what's been your, like one of your greatest challenges to be successful? Um, I think one of the greatest, it's a challenge and, and, um, and not is creating a work-life balance, which is very important because, um, you're trying to do so many things and you want to be a mom, you want to be a, a mother, you want to be a wife, you want to be a friend. And I think the, it's not an easy mix for a woman to try to do all of those things. So I think trying to be live, live a balanced lifestyle um, has been a challenge. I would also say another challenge uh, in regard to being a woman entrepreneur also has to do with funding and how you fund your business. I think um, a lot of people are not aware of, this, of so many different ways in which you can start a business some including your own funds and then other sources. So I think I learned some of this the hard way, um, but it's definitely something in, uh, when I do business coaching, I do try to let women know that there's a lot of resources to, and help out there for you, for a person to start their own business. And you don't always have to uh, do it alone. It doesn't have to be a one woman kind of show. Uh, you can reach out to people. There's lots of resources. There's lots of help. You just have to know where to look for it. So I would say the work-life balance and then also initial funding for, for um, businesses is something I struggled with in the past, yeah. Thank you. So as you can see, we have our global sister here. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, everyone. Thank you. And congratulations. Thank you. We're just having a nice discussion. Uh, we want you to join in, segue, Marlon. Well, yes, welcome, Julia. Uh, she, she's uh, across the world, you know, in, in, uh, in uh, New York. So um, we had both of the other honorees uh, kind of introduce themselves briefly. And then we got into some, uh, some, some questions and discussion with them. So we'll give you the same opportunity, Julia, to just uh, briefly introduce yourself and just what your what your entrepreneurial mission is, and uh, you know, a little note of encouragement. So take it away. Hi, my name is Juliana. I'm a I'm into a lot of things. 
Um, professionally, I'm a project management professional and I work at the presidency of the Republic of Ghana as the deputy director for finance and administration. But as an entrepreneur, I'm into social, I'm a social entrepreneur. I'm into an NGO that I call Girls Excellence Movement and the sole purpose is to inspire, mentor, educate and inform to transform girls into great women of excellence. And the overall purpose is to get more women into leadership positions so we can influence policy um, and get uh, more pragmatic policies implemented for the good of society. So that's what I mean to, and that's why I'm here as the executive director for the Girls Excellence Movement. So that is me. Wow, thank you. Where did, where did this passion come from? I mean, I, I, know, I know a little about you, uh, just reading up, but can you tell everybody, you know, when did it come and how, how and why? And from where? Okay, it came in three stages, I would say. The first stage was childhood. Growing up in my father's palace where girls get pregnant and they are brought into my father's palace because the boy who impregnated them probably denies the pregnancy. And then they are brought there in front of their parents and a panel of men, my father and his elders, they are all men. And the girl is supposed to justify and try to recollect the, the sexual escapades and particular dates that those sexual actions happen. So this panel of men will be able to decide whether the date of the pregnancy corresponds with the last date of the sexual act. And these girls come to stand there and they couldn't recount their sexual encounters in front of their fathers and grandfathers. So at the end of the day, the, male, the men win. These boys, they're actually boys. They win. And these girls are branded promiscuous. And they carry pregnancies that the father has denied. The boys go on to school. The girls drop out and end up. And I always wished I had power to defend them. Or I had some genie powers to whip up for them to be able to speak, regardless of who they are standing in front of. And I couldn't do that from seven to nine years. I couldn't do that. So grow, coming into governance again, I realized that cabinet meetings are dominated by men. Our boards are dominated by men. And not that men leading is bad. It's just inclusion gives us an opportunity to have more pragmatic and problem-solving solutions. So I realized we need to get more women into leadership so they can influence decisions. For, for instance, when we started Girls Excellence Movement, I had a male friend who was very, very passionate about promoting the needs for girls. Then we were de designing a proposal for an agency, and I did the first draft and put sanitary parts in there. It got to him to edit, and then he removed sanitary parts and put storybooks. So I called him up. I said, why did you put storybooks? He said, but storybooks are more important than sanitary parts. I said, no, sanitary parts are more important to girls in school than books, than storybooks in this sense. So you see, he doesn't hate girls, but he simply doesn't know the, how, the priority when it comes to placing sanitary parts vis-a-vis storybooks, not textbooks, storybooks. So this was the reason I felt that we need more women in decision-making positions so we can have solutions that affect everybody. And in fact, when we make decisions that solve, solve problems for women indirectly, in ripple effect, we solve problems for all society. So that, that's the stage that I got to and I realized that we need to put more women in, in decision making. Then how do we put them there? President Mills, the, the late President Mills of uh, Ghana, told us during his election campaign that he was going to give 40% of his cabinet slot to women. Then I was still working there. Then later, I heard I wasn't getting the 40%, so I was questioning it. And I heard that women were not willing to take up their roles. And those, a few women who were willing had spouses who they had to ask permission from and all that. So we couldn't get the 40%, even though the president was willing to give it to us as at the time. 
So I felt that let's groom girls into women who are willing, confident, ready to take up leadership in every role, in every role and in every field of their choice. So that was what the third uh, push that gave birth to the Girls' Excellence Movement. Wow. Well said. I, I, um, I can see why you're inspiring. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people, uh, you've protected them, okay? Because some of the things that I heard you say, I was thinking about how many people are impacted just by your conviction. I want to stay with that and, and ask Grace, um, as far as, and there's actually a question, so we'll just, we'll just read the question from the group. It's Marie uh, from M mrbnetworks.com. Uh, she asks uh, to, to, to both of you, uh, Marlene and Grace, uh, were you ever confronted with sexual harassment uh, on your way up? Uh, and how did, if so, how did you deal with it? Uh, and then what, what would you recommend to young women? Grace, can you start with that question? And I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, um, as well as Marlene, your response as well. Grace? Yeah, uh, of course, this happens. It's all the time. I would say 70% of the time you are um, exposed to various sorts of sexual harassment. It, some of it is overt and some of it is very slight. Um, but nevertheless, it's all some form of sexual harassment. How do you maneuver that? You always stay professional. And um, most of the time, I think when a man goes to a meeting, he never worries about what kind of suit he wears. When I go to a meeting, I need to make sure that my skirt is not too short, or but depending on the meeting, if it's a lot of men, I'll wear a pantsuit, uh, make sure that um, I'm, I'm not, not too much makeup. These are all things that women have to consider because of um, the environment when you are, especially working in a corporate, in the corporate world. Um, I would just say that for, and for young women, it's important to one, document everything. Make sure that um, you document even the slightest things because you never know when these things may be needed in the future. And to continue to always be professional and to let your work and your contribution speak for you. And never feel that you need to let other things speak for you because you really don't. Marlene. Yes. Same Hi. question. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember the question? It's pretty much, have you ever uh, experienced sexual harassment on your way up? If so, how did you deal with it? And what would, you, what would be some advice to young women? That's quite normal at a certain stage while wow. you're progressing to your career. But for me, I didn't really have that, that serious harassment that I faced because I would just summarize it into two. It is being, you believe in yourself. It's about standing strong and proving your worth. That's always what I have in mind. If I feel that someone or something's not really fair, I just stand still. I stand strong and I prove my worth. And I said, this is not me. I know myself. I am confident of who I am and what I can do, what I'm capable of doing. So that's it. They just give up on me because, because I, will never, I, will, I will never give up on them as well. This is about uh, because when people, when they know your worth and when they know that they can't just take you for granted, they will stop. And that's what I believe. That's, that's the experience I had over the past years in my career. And uh, what I can say to the younger generation is that... Um, Find the, find the, find the self-confidence, help that self-confidence that, or build themselves and build themselves up to a stage, to a level where no one can touch them and no one can say anything unfair to them and practice the proper ethics as well. Because if you, I truly believe that if you respect others, you will get the same respect that you get. Right. I like wow. um I like your answer a lot, Marlene, because um my mom, like, you know, like we're three boys, but like she told us the same thing about respecting women. Uh in terms of um number one, you have a mother, so treat women like how you would treat your mother. 
but also just like the women at her job, you know, like she's a nurse, so the women at her job, they would go to her for counseling and she would explain to them like, you know, you, you've got to put yourself out there. Like don't take any kind of, that kind of behavior from anyone else. So like, as long as you present yourself in this respectable manner, uh, et cetera, then, 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 then that, that ought to come back to you kind of thing. So in other words, like, you know, like you're saying, you're very strong and very um, presenting yourself how you want it to be treated in the first place. That's, 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 um, that's quite compelling. But of course, then to um, Grace's uh, point about um, not everyone did have that kind of right upbringing. So you do have people that act out, act outside of how they should be professionally and make a woman feel that it's her duty to, keep them in check by how they dress and these kind of things, which, um, which I don't agree with as well. Like, you know, like people should be able to just be professional as they want to without having to worry about extracurricular kind of advances. Um, so I agree with like with you ladies. It's, 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 it's a, yeah. It's a if, if I may share a short story about that relating to that, the, the first few years when I came out to the UAE and it was then, uh, the culture was different. Yeah, way back, we're talking about 15 years ago and uh, 15 years ago. So where uh, not many foreign are employed in the, the government offices. So uh, what I did was, what I did was uh, when I, the first time I came out to work, I was employed by a, a local uh, group of companies and uh, and i saw the central bank of the uae it came very very attractive and i dreamt of working there one day i told myself but how i said i'm young i'm asian you know and probably they would not even entertain my application but then i thought like if if i don't be i, I cannot be employed by them so what i did was i went I learned a few Arabic so that I can uh, communicate with the, the security guards in Arabic. Then there you go. I wanted to speak to the HR department or the HR manager for me to, I wanted to apply for a job. And succeedingly, uh, fortunately, I was employed. It's just something that I, I wanted to share with you. Going uh, further to, to my uh, career as well with, with, uh, British American Tobacco with an international company. I was the only one, the only Filipino um, a lady in the management there. And I sit amongst all the other board members then. I was the only woman. And that never really, I wasn't, I was never intimidated by it. Or they, they, they were probably, but I'm not. Because I know my worth and I know why I'm there. And I'm, I, I am confident that I can contribute to the conversation that we were going to have in that room. So going back to what I said, it is about uh, believing in yourself, standing strong, and then proving your worth. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, we have a question uh, in the room, and uh, we'll start with Julia uh, for this. Um, the question is, what challenges have you faced while doing global business outside of where you live? So that's, that's actually a great one for you because you're, uh, you're Ghanaian and uh, there you are in New York, in America, you know, doing business. So uh, what challenges have you faced uh, doing business outside of where you live and how different is it compared to your local business opportunities? First off was the cultural differences. In Ghana, the business setting is a bit, uh, business communication is passive. You don't go straight up aggressive at anyone. In the New York, you have to just be a straight shooter. And migrating from a passive background into a straight shooting environment was quite um, a challenge. It took me a while to get around it. And then in, in, in Ghana, you, we, we kind of treat everybody like family. 
and you approach your business partner with that kind of openness in the mind and then sometimes you do some things for free um like butter trading you do maybe i do consulting for you and then the next time i need a service provided which you are good at you get it down for me and then i get to this system and everything is monetized time is monetized i can't give you my time for free everything is monetized so it got it took me a while to get around monetizing my uh, monetizing time myself every second is money so it got it got uh, it took me a while to get around that the next thing was the um, the feeling of being taken from thrown out of a river sort of i was a fish out of a river because in ghana i knew i knew the terrain i knew the powers that be i knew who controls what and i knew how to maneuver the system and navigate it but here i am known by nobody a fish out of the water and you still have to find your feet and you have to prove yourself more so you are not considered as the next black girl passing by while in ghana because you've already built a foundation it's easy to just be recognized and be visible and be seen for what you are doing but here in america i have to now put in extra to convince them that coming from uh, Africa, I'm not some monkey brain who doesn't know her, her left from her right. So those are some of the things. And then another thing that I was battling with that I thought was so difficult until I spoke to some big women and they told me they were also feeling it was something we call paralysis or analysis paralysis where yeah. you overanalyze things and then it cripples you from taking action so it's like i think through things too much so i delay in taking action meanwhile if i were in ghana because i knew the terrain i didn't have any paralysis i didn't have to overanalyze because i was counting on my existing confidence but now i have to analyze and it was it was really um, a challenge but i've gotten over it it's not easy the culture and everything but it's working Quick follow-up for that then, um, because it sounds like you got to be a very strong and determined person for that, um, as, you know, as well as confident. So even after going through all that, would you still recommend uh, for any young lady out there that wants to be an entrepreneur, would you recommend for them to be doing international business in a different place than, than, uh, than they're from? Yes. Yes. The reason is that I will be returning to Ghana, by the way, because I feel that my purpose is more fulfilled in Ghana. But right now, I'm here gathering more experience, more building more networks for use later back in Ghana. But for the young lady who finds opportunity to come build themselves here and go back to their countries and do exploit, I will say yes. For the young lady who just want to come here just because they hear it's a land of opportunity, opportunities coming with no purpose in mind then i would say it's going to be very difficult because whatever challenges i had mentioned is because i'm here and i'm being supported by a structure that brought me here so it's easy to maneuver those challenges rather than somebody who just gets a visa and comes here counting on the opportunities the challenges are going to be a bit more difficult to to overcome but i'm not saying it's impossible Great answer. So, Great answer. I know I have three questions, uh, one per guest, uh, so I would like to get those in. But we also have a question that I would like to read from Anita or Regina. That's basically, and it's it's uh, sort of a it's it's pretty complex question. If um, you know, since it's a, a patriarchal society, and as much as we're trying to do away with it, what happens to young women who are trying to materialize? Uh, their their ideas, but other women with other women who are already in positions. And then she asked about reaching those women, uh, being uh, mentees, but then those women maybe finding uh, some sort of competition to the young woman who's trying to aspire. Grace, I would like to ask you that question. Okay, repeat the first part of it again. 
pretty much she was just saying that uh, she's asking, well, she, she actually uh, commented that, uh, you know, it's a, a patriarch. About the person without coming, okay. About yeah. the person and then not having the experience or the setup and the networking. Okay. Exactly. And they're looking for mentorship, but sometimes they face a person who's either too busy or they're, they're looking at the person as upcoming competition. Yes, yes. This is, this is a problem. This is a problem. I, I have been blessed with female mentors in my life. And I think that, was, that has really been something that helped. People who would actually call and tell you there's this opportunity happening. Everybody's not going to do this. But I think that um, I would hope that any one of us in this forum, and especially the 12 women who are, have been um, given the opportunity to come and speak with everybody, will all take some people that we can mentor because it's so critical. And I really believe intrinsically that the pie is big. We don't have to compete with each other. And everything cannot be your strength. So if one person's strength is this and another person's strength is that, we're all in our respective lanes and we are all achieving in, our, in what we do. And to never feel like we can't mentor, um, I think mentoring is critical to another young woman being able to do what you do. And I think that um, strong women are not threatened by it. Strong women are not threatened about helping other people because I'd love to have somebody that I've helped do really well and be telling people about it and be excited about it as opposed to looking at them as a, as a threat. And I think that that's something as we all need to look at. And if we are doing that, we need to look at why, why are we threatened? Why don't we want to help? Because it's very important. So even in regard to what um, Julianne had mentioned about coming to the U S when, if you do come to another country, let's say it's another terrain to do business before you go, it's important to reach out to maybe one or two people who are there, maybe through your embassy or something like that, to find out who are the other um, Ghanaians successful in, let's say, UAE or Filipinos successful in UAE, and, and see if you can reach out to them. Uh, you'd be surprised that most would be forthcoming. Not everybody would say, I don't have time. People would find some time. I really believe that. So reach out. Reach out, reach out to uh, those potential networks. Some people are also afraid to reach out. They don't reach out. So how would somebody know that you're here struggling or need help or advice? Yeah. The worst that will happen is the person will tell you, I'm busy, and then you move on. But at least you've reached out. Great. I have to ask Julia about the year of return and what her thoughts were about the potential of what's to come and to be on a return. Again, the last part. What are your thoughts about beyond a return? I mean, I, I know that you were probably uh, involved in the year of return uh, in some the way. Year, the year of return, I would say, has been so far the best, if not one of. One so of the best policies that has been implemented ever and uh, the yield in terms of tourism, cultural transfer, and all that has been great. I just wish that it was extended for a period rather than cutting it short and doing the, 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 the beyond the, the, the return. The reason was that at the time, it was now catching up with more and more diaspora Africans. That was when we took it off and moved to the beyond. So I thought that we moved on too quickly. But then the implementation was super on point, but the duration was too short. Because I met a few people who went to Ghana, came back spreading the news to their family. Their family started putting it in their vacation plan for the next year. Then we moved to the beyond. So I would have wished that we extended it a bit longer to catch on more fire and bring more diasporans, not only to Ghana, but to Africa, because it opened a lot of their minds as to what Africa is and what the real culture behind the slavery and everything is so we should have expanded the duration a bit longer on the beyond 
I was hoping that we will have business matching opportunities where now those who were able to come to Ghana, go back, come back with business ideas, partner with local uh, institutions to promote those ideas. But then that one to the, the, the negative side I see is that currently they come and they try to implement the things themselves. I believe in coming and riding on local knowledge, local expertise, because it gets the implementation done better and more efficiently than if they come and jump into a city they don't know anything about trying to implement things themselves. So, but all in all, it was really a good policy. I, and I wish that by the time COVID is over, we'll go back and do uh, a repeat of the year of return and then re-strategize on how to properly implement the beyond. Definitely. Thank you. My, my, my uh, Ghanaian visa expires January 2020. So, 2021, next, next January. So, uh, I'm hoping that everything opens back up so I can visit again. Sure, we'll be happy to host you because I'm going to be in Ghana at that time. Wonderful. One of the things about the year of return that was amazing was, um, and I agree with you, it's interesting you said, I wish they had kept it year of return for another year. Yes. Because it was like, it was almost like not enough. People needed to yes. continue with that. And um, Heath, I wish I had seen you in Accra. I was everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> it was actually a blur. I, I need a do-over of it because it was you have it was to. such a it was so much that I feel like I needed to go. In fact, friends wanted to go back in a calmer place because they felt like it was so hectic. Mm -hmm. And I said there's so many things we didn't even get a chance to do in you Ghana do. because we were just running around everywhere. Right. Uh, so, you know, if I, if I go back, what I'll do is maybe stay the majority of time in Cape Coast and visit across, you know, or maybe split it 50-50 because I was on yeah. Cape Coast for 36 hours and uh -huh. my heart was there. And it, like I said, yeah, 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 I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I want to mention quickly that, uh, that uh, by definition, by definition, the year returned is one year. Just to just to point that out, it's pretty obvious, I know, but just to point that out. Secondly, secondly, the meaning of it was uh, four hundred years since yeah, was specific that that, that first lady. So, like, it was specific in terms of um, commemorating mm -hmm. an anniversary that 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 uh, showed people the importance of rekindling their roots. Um, and I'd be interested to know as well if. Um, uh, if in the Philippines, like, is there is there something similar that you guys might have, Marlene, to like encourage our diaspora uh, Filipinos to uh, to return home and invest and visit? Yes, of course, we do have the Department of Trade and Industry. We have a lot of programs for uh, OFWs. These are the overseas working Filipinos, the Filipinos working abroad. There are programs for them to come home to where uh, we engage them, we, we, we provide them a, a capital to start up a business. And not, not only there, locally in the UAE, we started encouraging them to engage into uh, businesses in the Philippines, even if they're still here. Yeah. So they can actually start before they, they come home. They can start the business over there, and many banks are lend lending them capital to uh, to establish it, as long as the the concept is uh, is is acceptable. And we have a uh, we have different programs from other government agencies because we know that uh, there's millions of Filipinos working abroad, and eventually they will come home, and they prepare them to be able to be. Uh, uh, self-sufficient when they come home. Either they invest, they, they uh, invest or engage into a business, or they get employed by by offices back in the Philippines. Awesome. I just wanna I just wanna add something about the mentoring for for young girls that uh, Grace mentioned about reaching out. I I do agree with that. The first step is is for them to reach out to the mentors. But I also believe that 
what works is to build a culture of a partnership with the youngsters, not just about mentoring, but you actually get them involved in the business that you do on the part of the mentors. So that uh, I would say that you're giving them the opportunity to, uh, to, to have that training ground for them so that it won't feel like as if, I know that the, the feeling competition is there, but there's, oh, I, I mentor myself, I mentor a lot of young girls and young, young, young men, young boys in, in the UAE. I have, I'm involved with a lot of groups on mentoring them in terms of business or any other, any other issues uh, uh, in life that they face here. But uh, I truly believe that the key is collaboration at the end of the day. If you are able to collaborate, this is not only for the youngsters, but also for SMEs, for small businesses, that if they can find that synergy to collaborate and, and vote in to, to, to make both businesses uh, stronger, of course, that's the, way, that's the way we should do it. Wow. Wonderful advice. Thank you. Uh, Heath, you had, you had uh, a specific question for Grace. Did not go until I asked this one question. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, for your business, and you know, uh, how important is it for you, or for for anyone, uh, uh, but also to you, to develop cultural competency, cultural awareness, cultural proficiency uh, globally? It's ve it's very important. In fact, I wrote my master's dissertation on this topic how culture affects business performance in Ghana. That was my, my thesis, um, whether it's positive or negative. If you are doing business anywhere and you don't understand the culture and you don't understand the culture of the people where you're working and the culture of the people working for you, you're going to have a problem. This is whether you're doing your business in Africa, the U.S., Dubai. Understanding the culture is very, very critical. And I think that that's something that any business person has to look into in regard to even the HR component, the mix of people that work for you. Why is this important? Why does this person work harder than that person? It's, it's not based on stereotype. It's based on, on the culture and how the culture impacts the, how they work or business performance and stuff like that. I think it's very critical and you can't kind of devoid that. Wow. Yeah. Wonderful, a wonderful question. I just wanted to say that, um, that 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 empirical uh, knowledge that you ladies are sharing with us is uh, is uh, invaluable because it's not just advice, but you guys are also giving us giving us great great anecdotes that you personally used in your in your journey to success at entrepreneurship. And you know, like you're coming from similar similar kind of thing that you're doing now, but these are these are diversely different backgrounds. Uh, when I when we first explored how to even put the 12 ladies into categories, it's very difficult. I know yeah. just to say finance and business is so broad. And like, obviously we haven't deeply talked about any kind of banking or how do I make money or whatever, but like, we don't think that those are, those are the really important topics of what you ladies can provide as people, which you have much more personally with your actual personal stories, which uh, is very much appreciated. Hey, Mar Marlene, before you leave, um, I have a question for you. Uh, after all of you've accomplished, what is your proudest moment? Can you speak to that and how you felt? What was it? Right. Uh, proudest moment in relation to uh, um, personal or career? What? I would say, yeah, I would say personal achievement. Uh, my personal achievement. I would say the first one would be my three beautiful children <laughs> to start with. Everything comes from family. <laughs> family first. Yes, I'm very proud of, of my three children and what they have achieved. And that's one accomplishment that uh, I dreamt of and realized. Uh, what else? So many. Um, when I graduated from college, I said, I want to do earn money, work, earn money, or set up a business, but at the same to be able to help a lot of people around me, especially the people that really need uh, help 
And somehow I would say that I have accomplished that too. And, uh, and to me, my happiness is, is, is really about, it's really about people, how I change people's lives, how I have a positive impact on them, on their lives, so that they're able to move forward with a big smile. And to me, that's enough satisfaction, self-satisfaction. And as well as uh, above all that, as she said, I have uh, received many awards for everything that I do to the community, to my profession, to um, uh, my career, really. I, I must say, I also have achieved that. But I'm also hoping to do more and to succeed in many other uh, initiatives that I have at hand. That's what I'm just praying to God that I'll succeed to that because I have a lot of people depending on those programs and I want to be able to help them. And they, these are young people that uh, I want them to have a good start in their lives. So we're going to um, start with closing statements. Uh, once again, you are uh, honorees for this year, 2020's 12. Uh, inspiring entrepreneurial women, and we want to leave you with the closing. Uh, Julia, did you want to say something as we sign off, right before we sign off to everyone? Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, UAE Africa Network Group. Thank you to the 2020 fellows. Thank you to the fellows before us. Wendy, thank you so much for the support. But my message is to the young lady anywhere listening. I just want to say that there is a lot of potential in you and you are single-handedly responsible for the life that manifests with you. If you decide to transform your life, absolutely nothing can stop you. And in terms of mentoring and all that, it is up to you to choose a mentor who is operating in a field that you desire to go in. And when you choose that mentor, it's up to you to keep poking that mentor till he or she makes the time for you. In my experience as a Mandela Washington Fellows mentor, what I noticed is that sometimes, just sometimes, mentees expect the mentor to constantly spoon feed them don't forget this mentor is busy achieving other things you might probably not be the only mentee the person is taking care of or watching out for so it's up to you to consistently poke for what you want and like i said absolutely nothing under this earth beyond this earth can stop you if you decide to dream it, work for it, and go get it. So, girl, we've got some seats to grab our decision-making tables. Come along. Let's take the ride. Thank you. Wow. Can you drop the mic? Drop the mic, please. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Marlene Murphy, please leave us with your closing statement in the end i would say to all the entrepreneurs entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs is it is all about staying positive work hard play harder and maintain a positive attitude and always be true to yourself and honest to your colleagues to your team to your, to your clients and to the people around you. It's the people, the customer, and innovation are the key, the main key, uh, are, the main, uh, are, the, are the valuable assets in your business rather than the bottom line, rather than the revenue. So it's about, at the beginning, it will be about building relationship and cementing connections and your the profit will come next. Wow. And I should leave you for that. Good luck, everyone. COVID or without COVID, we strive hard because I would say that COVID uh, gave us the opportunity to 
think deeper and smooth things out. But in the end, in business, whether with COVID, pro-COVID, during COVID or post-COVID, business should carry on. That's awesome. Thank you, Marlene. Um, uh, that's, that's a question, actually, that I was going to ask way in the beginning, just like the cliche nowadays, how are you doing? But, but you've, you've, you've perfectly addressed that. I'm sure Julia feels the same way because you have a giant smile on your face when she was saying that, that no matter what, we will continue. And I had, I had three words uh, just to close it out as well. Perseverance, presentation, and confidence. That's what I got from all three of you ladies that uh, within your uh, stories and your anecdotes, um, you just expressed that all the way through. Thank you, uh, thank you all so much for being a part of our first of four series on 12 inspirational and entrepreneurial women uh, partnered with the UAE African Networking Group. So um, again, thank you guys all so much for being here. And as we always say at this time, live global and peace. Check us out on YouTube, Global Brothers Podcast, and please subscribe and share and, you know, continue to support, you know, good content. Thanks, everybody. Mr. Worldwide.